Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to the afternoon here on AusBiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company uh, for the next hour or so. This is the call. 10 stocks that... You send in and suggest we take a look at. I put them to uh, two expert uh, uh, that we have here on the panel live in our Barangaroo studios, and we do it all in 60 minutes or so. Uh, David Lane from Odd Minute in uh, in Brisbane joins us. David, how are you? It's part of the panel. Morning, today. I'm well, thank you. Good, good Rather to see you. Your time. Yeah, Mark Gardner from uh, Macro Capital is with us. Mark, good to have you in here good again. Uh, bit happening out there at the moment on there the markets. Yeah, absolutely, there's a, there's a fair bit happening, but um, the market's sort of starting to see the forest for the trees. So, yep. the um, you know the quality names where there's going to be commodity shortages, etc., are starting yep. to find a bit of a bid tone, and it's not just that blanket panic selling that's been yep. going on in that first initial well, panic. When the market's up, it's usually because of BHP or Rio at the moment. They're such a big part of the index, they aren't they? Are. And they're have, having a great week on yeah, the issues absolutely. in Europe. Um, let's uh, get straight into it, though. Uh, for the first uh, half of the uh, of the call, we'll be taking a look at Ventia Services, Ioneer, Pendle, Brickworks, and also Sightminder. Um, and in the realm of reopening themes, my stock of the day that I want to put to the guys, um, I thought we'd take a look at Ardent Leisure. As stock of the day, it's US Arm Main Event Entertainment has acquired three standalone family centers in Colorado called the Summit for 26 million US. The aim is to maximize growth opportunities in one of the company's key operating areas after a tough trot through uh, COVID and before that with the safety issue. Ardent shares have been on the up. It's in the green today, up 2%. Uh, so what do our experts think? David Lane, let's kick off for you. Uh, Arden Leisure's, uh, some of their bigger, biggest assets are down the road from you on the Gold Coast. Um, what yes. do you think of the announcement and also Arden Leisure at these levels? Certainly the announcement was, was positive. It means that the, uh, the company is growing further in the US, which has become a, a bigger and bigger part of the the business, uh, as you said, Ardent Leisure has been impacted significantly a few years ago by the safety issues and more recently by COVID. Um, and we, we've had the Omicron wave as well, that just as the borders were reopening, we, we had the, uh, the the Omicron wave hit southeast Queensland. So that's had an impact on it short term. And uh, the the numbers, though, are improving. And as you said, it's a reopening trade, effectively, that we're seeing uh, an improvement in, in numbers going through the, the theme parks in January and February. And as, as the economy reopens, that will continue. Uh, and in the US, they're finding that people are, are actually 
now that they're, they're out of their homes, they're enjoying out-of-home entertainment and main event is certainly positioned well there. Uh, but having said that, it is a business that's still generating significant losses. Their, their last result had a, a loss of $36 million. So it's not uh, without risk, but for a reopening trade, it's, it's one that um, lever is leveraged in that space. Yeah. What do you think? Is it uh, worth buying at these levels? Probably not one that, that I'd be necessarily buying. I think there are probably better reopening trades. Uh, it's, it's actually the only stock in the list that we don't cover uh, as far as having right. a, a, an analyst recommendation, but I, I'd probably be steering clear of it uh, right. personally at the moment. Yep. Uh, Mark Gardner from Macro, what do you think? Uh, fairly in line with David's comments there. Um, I'm probably a little bit more positive on it. Um, Disney uh, had re uh, reported very well in the US uh, this, this earnings season um, on the back of their theme parks. So obviously I think the US is a f a much further ahead in terms of reopening, um, yep. far less sort of nanny state if you want to call it that than, than Australia in terms of lockdowns and the issues with the states. So um, it seems to be on the surface of decent acquisition. Um, the, those parks had a 26 mil, um, well, 24 million revenue and I think they paid 26 million for it. So. Mm. You know, there's definite upside there, uh, leveraging into the US and trying to buy some cheap assets um, coming out of the, of, of the you know, out of COVID into the reopening phase, I think is a, is a pretty smart idea. Um, whilst you've, you know, you've copped all the hardship, you know, you know, expanding when we're looking like breaking through to yeah. going back to normal is probably not, not the worst idea in the world. Um, I'd still be a little bit wait and see. Um, they didn't report great numbers um, and they are making a loss at the moment and stocks like that realistically with um, high, high quality names um, in the index at the moment yielding well and yep. etc. So it won't take much for them to pull back again. Um, but you know, give it some time uh, somewhere over the next sort of say three, three to six months. I'd be um, trying to buy dips in this potentially um, yeah. and we'll see how this I'm acquisition a, I'm plays a, I'm out. a bit surprised from the, the chart there how much it's run. Um, you know, yeah. po that March COVID crash got down to 17 cents, now back up to $1.50. Um, so that's not far off their five-year highs. It's no, look, and that's, that's what I mean. I, I, I think um, you, you're really, you're really um, putting a lot of faith in the reopening. There's been a few false yeah. starts uh, with the reopening as well. So, um, you know, normally if there, you know, if there wasn't such other great options uh, at the moment that are yielding well with low PEs, you may yep. be considerate because for lack of right. better options, but um, at the moment there's so many great, you know, high quality stocks that have just had brilliant um, earnings reports that yeah. you probably just put it on your watch list for now and, um, you know, maybe just try and buy the dip and, and make sure <coughs> this reopening sticks. Yep. And as we keep saying, if you've got 20 or 30 stocks in your portfolio, you've yeah. got to have a standout Precisely. and while it's it's doing okay. There are better options out there. That's what you've got to weigh up. All right, let's get into the uh, stocks you want us to take a look at. Vicky uh, wants a view, Mark, on Ventia Services. It's an infrastructure group in, in Australia and New Zealand. I don't think it's come up on the call before this one. Uh, I'm, un I'm unaware. Yeah. Um, it's relatively new, so November I think it IPO'd, but it was a package up of a lot of, um, you know, a lot of businesses. Um, which I think is a pretty smart move, given the the general um, you know appetite for M and A in this in this yep. sort of sector at the moment. So, 
Look, it's, um, a lot of these, whilst it doesn't have a track record as a, as a conglomerate, it's, most of the companies have got decent track records. Um, NBN's a major part of the income. Um, they're, they're basically, it's, that's cycling off and will be reducing over time, but they, um, it's a bit more of a, it's a, probably more, if you're an income investor, this would be the sort of thing you maybe want to look at. Um, and also with that added advantage of it being a potential M&A target, um, obviously AGL was on the radar previously, um, Sydney airports this year. So yeah. stuff like this is, is, is gaining favour for the big super funds um, and, you know, and larger investors um, so as, they're, as they're fairly consistent. And I think um, we didn't even really see the defensive stocks rally a hell of a lot when the Ukraine um, mm. crisis hit either. So I think a lot of these defensive stocks are a little bit undervalued at the moment. Um, and, I, you know, this is... I'd say buy for an income investor and a little bit of safety just in case Eastern Europe escalates. Um, it's a reasonable dividend yield. Um, they're in a whole <coughs> range of different, um, mm. different infrastructure projects. So oil and gas, local government, mining and minerals, industrial health, electricity, so right. telecommunications. So um, it's fairly diverse. So there's, there'll be safety in that as well. So if, yeah, if you're an income investor looking for safety, there's a little bit now because it's pulled back. Just a, it's pulled back a little bit, I think, um, and reported well. There's, there's probably some upside um, share okay. price growth as well. Uh, David, what do you think of uh, Ventia Services? Yes, I, I agree. I think it's a it's a very good stock. Um, Capital Light and their cash conversion's been very solid. Uh, their result, which is their first result since their uh, their listing was uh, above not only expectations, but also uh, their prospectus forecasts. And, and they actually uh, reaffirmed their prospectus forecast, which is which is always good. So we see it as a stock, uh, as, as Mark said, a decent dividend yield. Um, it, it's a business that should provide some reasonable growth. We've got a, a buy recommendation with a, a target price of $2.70 on it at the moment. How do you approach David, from a, an odds point of view, uh, new listings. Sort of, we get yes. we get sort of mixed views here on the experts on the call. Some have a blanket, um, like Team Invest, say first three years won't even look at it. Others go, well, it's got to go through one, ideally two earnings uh, reports first to see whether yep. that they can actually deliver on the on the hype from the prospectus. Sure. Uh, yeah, we we take a I suppose an approach that often we're involved in in the uh, in the IPO and, and yeah. are able to get stock uh, in the issues. So we do a reasonable amount of due diligence beforehand to, to uh, ensure right. that the company uh, stacks up well to it. Um, but yeah, Ventia was an interesting one because the the time that it came onto the market, they they actually sort of repriced it, uh, which sometimes isn't necessarily. The, the greatest thing, but I think uh, it meant that they listed on the market quite well. And uh, yeah, certainly the first couple of results out of the the um, prospect or out of the IPO are very important because uh, having conservative expectations in the prospectus and beating <laughs> them is certainly better than having um, very high expectations and, and falling short. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, Ravine, uh, Mark wants a view on uh, the lithium boron uh, producer, Iron Ear. Um, its, um, uh, its biggest asset is in Nevada. It has lithium 
in the uh, in the descriptions. So of course, everyone gets excited about it. Are you excited about Iron Ear? Uh, yeah. Look, uh, the more I looked into this, the more I sort of liked it. it um, it's actually only about two hundred miles on an interstate to the Gigafactory uh, that the Tesla has in Nevada. So. Tesla's, you know, recently they bought, uh, they did an agreement with Liontown, I think CXO yesterday as yep. well. So surely they would be thinking something that's 200 miles down the road um, is probably not a bad option. They've got, yeah. um, there is an environmental issue. There's some form of um, endangered buckwheat or something. I, I didn't really. Right. Uh, but so they have an environmental issue there at the moment, but they would still be able to mine around it, etc. So... Um, the lithium stocks have been pretty beaten up over this um, over these last couple of um, couple of weeks. Um, looking at it on the chart, it's sort of hugging around. It's pulled back and hugging around the you know the 200-day moving average at the moment. I really quite like this. Um, it probably it's not something you're putting your entire portfolio in. It's right. probably more of a speculative buy. But um, the electric vehicle lithium play is you know is going to stay fairly strong. Um, with you know with, with supply is not going to meet demand until 2025 um, and more and more companies are increasing their um, estimated production of electric cars so yep. uh, and that proximity that strategic investment is something that the US is really big on uh, US companies are really big on at the moment um, so you know um, Winsome Resources and a, is another another one near Canada with same yes. similar situation the proximity is, um, is always a really good thing and there's enthusiasm around that um, for the same reason so yeah, look, I, I like this. It's, you know, on a risk reward basis at the moment, you, you know, you're probably only risking 15% for a potential 30, 40% upside. It traded around about the 83 mark like last month. Yep. So uh, down here at say 56, 55, yes. I think it's pretty good buying. Um, okay. And I mean, our preferred <laughs> and more established name in this sector is probably Pilbara Mining um, yep. or Alcom, but um, you know, they're, you know, I think I think this is this is worth putting some money in. And look, if it goes on a run, fantastic. You might make some great money, and um, and you'll probably very quickly know if you're wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is for a buy at the more, but at the more speculative. Probably the end more of speculative. The end. I think for for investing, you know, investing um, uh, clients, we would probably steer them much more towards the bigger names, right. um, like PLS and um, and Alcom. So. Okay. Uh, David, what do you think of Iron Air? Yeah, pretty much agree that we've got a, a speculative buy recommendation on it also, uh, and our target price is 80 cents. The interesting thing about uh, Iron Ear is that they're in the running uh, for a, a financing from the US Department of Energy for uh, nearly well, $500 million. So uh, that will help certainly their, their production um, over there in Nevada. And yeah, it's an interesting stock. Uh, as, as Mark said, trading around 56 cents, it's, it, it is a speculative buy, it's a high risk one, but um, you know, given the, the long-term potential for lithium uh, and for electric vehicles, we think it's, uh, it's yeah, one that you can put in your portfolio, but probably watch the share price and, and it's a bit more of a trading stock than, yeah. than yeah. a buy and hold one. Gee, this, uh, you talk to every car manufacturer at the moment and you say, Oh, what are what are the models coming out in the future? They're just yep. virtually all electric, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And and it's forecast that by 2032 that electric vehicles will be about 40% of the the, the market uh, mm. and continuing to, to rise. So, okay. uh, we are in a situation where the lithium price is at all time highs, but because of the lack of supply, the forecasts are that it will yep. continue to to be a, a popular resource. Okay. 
All right. Uh, Isaac wants a view on our next Doc David, Pendle Group, the, the investment manager. Yep. Yeah, Pendle is uh, out of the, the investment managers that, that we look at, uh, the, the better value. Uh, they, they're sitting uh, as an attractive manager, uh, a reasonable PE of about uh, eight and a half times at the moment. So it's very well priced. And Pendle, unlike some of the other competitors like Magellan that, that's had issues with um, with their, their management and, and performance recently, Pendle is geared a lot more towards the institutional mandate. So uh, has had a, a positive funds under management and also positive returns. So huh. we like Pendle and, and think that uh, as, the, as far as the funds managers, uh, it's a good business. And longer term, the... The, the fundamentals for that industry stack up very well because we've got uh, the superannuation guarantee uh, that's rising to 12% in a few years' time. And longer term, we've got uh, an increase in savings around Australia, an increase in, in right. wealth. So there's a lot more money going into markets and Pendle are, are getting a reasonable share of that. So all to have a buy on Pendle? Yes, we do, yes. Okay. So if the outlook is so good, David, why are these investment? Look at Pendle share price, five year low. Yeah. Now, and they're all like that. Let's forget Magellan, because I'll, I'll admit I'm I'm sort of have been savaged by um, uh, by trying to catch a falling knife. Um, sure. <laughs> but but it's yep. not just Magellan. It's an extreme. They've all dropped, all been smashed like this. They have, yeah. I think that there has been an element of, of the Magellan uh, impact across all of the managers. But um, yeah, we have seen a, a sell-off in, in those. And that's one of the reasons that we think that, that Pendle um, is attractive on that basis. Um, yeah, but the, the others like uh, Perpetual have, have also been sold off as well. Um, yeah. We are seeing a bigger and bigger trend towards uh, passive investment and there, there is money going into a lot of ETFs uh, and that's an area where Pendle yeah. probably don't have an exposure to um, yeah. but longer term uh, we still see them uh, you know having a, a reasonable share of the, okay. the market. Mark what do you think of Pendle? Yeah it's interesting David what the point there the ETFs um, look they're gaining you know Incredible momentum overall. Um, ASX releases a, um, a report on ETF investing, and it's just it's growing at a massive rate. Yep. Um, for me, the, I mean, all the fund managers recently, um, you know, as you said, catch a falling knife. Um, well, almost catch a falling oh. chainsaw, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. But, um, it's been a lot of them have been savaged. Um, look, I I tend to think that. ETFs, are, uh, particularly for younger investors who are, you know, obviously, you know, Gen X and Gen Ys are, yep. are um, increasingly investing in those sorts of things. The um, so, uh, products like Raise have ETFs um, all through their products as well. Um, so look, I'm not a ma I'm not a massive fa fan of the um, of the managed fund space, the, sector. The, the right. sector at the moment. Um, and I think what we've seen is, is the rise of the algorithmic trading systems as well. Um, the, the valuation models that funds used to rely on, um, you know, a lot of the fund managers last year went to cash too early, um, whereas the, the, these, these huge algorithmic systems just follow momentum until it stops yep. and then they reverse. So, yep. which probably ex explains- <laughs> And reverse pretty quickly. And reverse well, which, which- Add to the volatility. Yeah, which explains, you know, the, 
we probably overextended 10, 15% in the uh, in the Nasdaq, and you know, and it, and it came back extraordinarily sharply. Yeah. So, and that's not something that fund managers are, re- are really agile enough to deal with overall. Um, so, look, I, you know, I, I think you, um, you know, Andrew Whelan's probably the, the man to, to ask about the ETFs. Yeah. It's not something I'm, I'm generally more a bit more of a stock picker, but. At the moment, it, um, I'd like to see these fund managers ad- adapt, and, and with Pendle particularly, the you know they went out and bought FUM as opposed to organic growth, which yeah. is not something I'm a massive fan of either. Um, you'd like to see a company growing, you know, out of reputation, etc., not just going and purchasing you know 50% of their funds under management right. um, out of the US. So um, there's Aussie dollar US risk there. I mean, um, hopefully you would, you would hope that they would have that hedged, um, yep. being a fund manager, but. Um, you know, sector ETFs at the moment, and particularly even an Australian index ETF, we're, half of our index is in really high quality mining and, and, um, and financial names um, who, are, who are paying great dividends. Um, I, I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to probably find it hard to, hard to beat, mm. the, beat, the inde- beat the index really. And um, yeah, it's, just, it's probably just a bit of an avoid for me for, at the right. moment because um, I think there's enough there's enough value around in, so in not not just Pendle but the whole sector. Yeah, yeah. You just there's there's too many variables there when you can just simply buy an ETF and get very close to the same result. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, Isaac. Uh, George Mark wants a view on Brickworks. Of course, uh, as the name suggests, it's makes bricks and building products and things like that, but it's way more than that. It's basically a property developer too. They've been very smart. All the quarries that they dig the bricks out, which started uh, all the clay out, which usually started on the edge of, uh, of cities, uh, city sprawls um, extended outwards and their quarry came to an end, they turned it into a housing development and did it pretty well. If you live in Sydney, Epping, uh, was one of the Brickworks quarries that got turned into a, a great housing development there next to the old Seven Studios. Uh, and they're also in a bit of a, a troika with a couple of other listed companies to protect each other, Washington Solpats. Um, yeah. Mark, what do you think of Brickworks? It's a really interesting business, isn't it? It is. Look, it's roughly about, since their recent, um, I think they had a recent merger, they're they're about a third Solpats, yep. so um, and I think that building and developments another sort of twenty five percent. So realistically, you know, that bricks business is not yeah. not a hell of a lot of their business these days. It's um, more an investment company, is it? That started as yeah, a... exactly. I mean, you know, you can see companies obviously Solpats ended up being that way, and West yeah. Farmers is increasingly looking like it's heading that direction as well. So um, in buying up strategic assets, so. It's a super reliable company. I think yep. in 45 years, it's increased its dividend every year. Um, it's very stable, very reliable. Um, you possibly, you can just buy Solpats. Um, it's, it depends on your preference. Um, look, if you're worried about geopolitical risks, etc., at the moment, um, and you want some defensive stocks, good safety, reasonable dividend, um, with an incredible track record, um, it looks at pretty good technical levels at the moment. It basically back in sort of... Um, Around about mid mid last year, they broke up from this point. Um, so those old highs should provide support, I would say. So look, I think there's some some decent actual share price upside um, mm. in this at the moment, um, okay. as well as the reliability that they um, 
that they just seem to always deliver. So um, reliable as bricks and mortars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to call this a buy at the moment, okay. but, but for more, as I said, for more conservative for investors. A, for Sort of defensive or foundation stock in a portfolio. Absolutely. If you if you if you want your your income and you want to be able to sleep at night, it's a yep. pretty decent stock to have in your portfolio. Okay, David, what do you think of Brickworks? Yeah, we've got an accumulate recommendation on Brickworks, which effectively means similar to what Mark was saying. It's a defensive sort of stock that you can you can buy, you can put in the portfolio for a long period of time. We don't necessarily expect. An enormous amount of capital up, upside from it, but um, at current prices, it's it's reasonable value. Uh, the thing about Brickworks, as you said, with the different divisions, it's it's sometimes difficult to value. And the problem that it's had recently is the their investment in Washington uh, Sol Pats has actually uh, detracted from from the the positive parts of the business, being the property development and the the uh, the building materials part of the, the business. So we actually see most of the upside from the property development business uh, and can see that there is some growth out of that. So yeah, it's not a uh, not a stock that um, will do any damage in the portfolio, but yeah, long term uh, accumulate there. Okay. All right. Liz wants to view uh, David on SiteMinder. Um, again, another recent listing, isn't it? Uh, create it is. soft software for the hotel and accommodation sector it's like a, a management software for uh, for that that sector is that yeah that's right yeah and I, I should disclose that that Ords was actually involved in the uh, in the float of sitemind so it's one that we uh, yeah we we do know very well uh, but are very positive on and think that it's got uh, an enormous amount of potential long term uh, we've got a, a buy recommendation on the stock Um but it is one that, that is leveraged to that reopening because it is a global business. So it's got uh, it's got clients all around the world in 150 different countries. Um, they're largely independent hotels that use the platform, and it gives the the ability for the hotels to to sell their um, their rooms on a range of different uh, websites, etc. So uh, we think that it, that it is a good business. The thing is that they've actually changed their revenue model recently so that they are not only a, a software supplier for subscriptions, but now they will also take a, a clip on a lot of the, the sales. So as hotels um, sell more over the next couple of years, um, SiteMinder's revenue will improve there as well. Okay. Mark, what do you think of SiteMinder? Yeah, the more I looked into it, it's, a, it's obviously fairly new, as um, as David said. Um, it's a clever idea. Um, I remember oh, years ago being involved in a um, like a pub hotel fund, uh, an old business partner of mine used to be involved in, and but they were wasting just hours of time um, trying to basically adjust their uh, their hotel pro their um, hotel room prices um, at each location. So this is a really clever solution for that. Um, Obviously, it's it's gone global as well. Um, you probably excuse them for disappointing on on earnings, given you know it is more of a reopening trade. Um, they it's a lot. There's been a few analysts. I think it's been on the call a couple of times. It's yep. been described as a you know zero in the early stages, um, right. which I think that's a, a fairly big wrap overall. So that's a huge wrap. Yeah. So <laughs> even, um, even zero at these levels at a hundred bucks a share. It's a yeah big rap. exactly. So. Um, <laughs> And it does have an ex-zero uh, director on the board, so right. and an ex-version um, uh, director on the on the board as well. Right. So, 
you've got some really good experience there within the company. Um, you know, it's um, could potentially be vulnerable to competition, um, but look, I, I think they've got a. I think before they listed, they had a good, a fairly decent seven-year on track record, um, and then. Once, it's, once you're in somewhere and, and you're useful, I think it's pretty hard to get you yeah. out. So they've got some decent recurring revenue. Um, I think 80% of their revenue is recurring. Um, they've got mm. a really high margin as well. So, yeah, look, I'd, you know, I'd be, um, I, I'd maybe just wait and see, but, but you know, I'd be, I'd be waiting to see to buy it for sure. Right. And I'm, um, um, just at the moment, you know, with, with, there's just a few existing risks out there in, in, um, in the market, but, um, is definitely something that I'm, I'll be keeping right. very high on the watch list. Sort of similar, similar to Arden, I'd just like to see um, right. some some more results. So keep it as a hold if you're. Oh, absolutely. You're keep it as a hold if you're in it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, are you inferring, like a, a lot of the experts on the call have been saying, hey, it's just too wild out there at the moment, particularly for tech stocks. Uh, there's every likelihood maybe another leg down uh, between now and the middle of the year. If you're thinking of tech stocks, growth stocks, just park your money for a while and be a bit patient. Is that what you're inferring by saying, oh, there's a bit out there at the moment? Yeah, basically. Look, it's, you know, the last 12 months, I think last year's financial year was up 21%, I think, which yep. was a record. Um, I really sort of, you know, I spoke to my clients at that point last year and said, we'd probably, you know, reduce your expectations, maybe expect 5 to 8% absolute tops. Yep. But, um, you know, bond yields going back through those 2% areas, um, that switch from growth to value can sometimes last anywhere up to 10 years. And yep. uh, I don't think you need to be wading into um, companies that are, you're buying on valuations on a promise rather than right. at the moment, you, you know, you, when you can pick up really good quality companies where, um, you know, there's some stability in income and track records. So okay. we switched, once uh, two-year yields went through 1% early January, I, I, I pretty much switched all of our clients out of, um, out of tech stocks and yep. into cash, um, which was probably slightly lucky on the timing, but um, that, those key levels in those bonds were the, were the trigger for me to, right. to start unloading stuff with huge PEs. Um, yep. And um, so, yeah, and look, I think you can afford to be patient at the moment um, because once the, you know, once the momentum gets behind them, it's, it won't matter if you miss the first 10% because yep. it, it'll, be a, it'll be a fairly strong run. So, right. um, and, you know, there's, there's great yield out there at the moment and, yep. and you can, you know, if you're willing to just put it into some more boring companies. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good advice. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a common theme amongst some of our experts at the moment. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's telegraphed by my, my, most of the major well um, fund managers have that you yeah. know that magic number of two percent in ten year bond yields. So yeah. um, in, in, as to a major switch. So I mean, obviously Berkshire Hathaway would they're, they're say different because they're. Um, they're always value, but yeah. Um, but yeah, those things will be a little bit, they'll be out of favour for a while. I think right. you, need to, you need to be improving yeah. companies. Uh, even though Berkshire Hathaway do say they're value investors, their biggest stake is in Apple. <laughs> 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 so they sort of hedge their, bits a bit, yeah. hedge their bets a bit, don't they? All right, let's uh, recap the first five stocks, including our stock of the day. Arden is a no from, uh, from both David and Mark. Uh, Bentia, um, yes, from both of them for income investors, uh, if you're looking for a, a decent income. Uh, Ioneer, a speculative buy from both of them, but uh, Mark puts uh, prefers the, the more established lithium producers like, like Pilbara and Alcom. 
Uh, Pendle, uh, yes from Ords, a no from Mark. Uh, Brickworks, uh, a yes from Mark and uh, Ords have an accumulate on it as well. And Sightminder, a yes from Ords and a hold from Mark. Um, so that's our five stocks for this half hour. Another five coming up shortly, but a quick reminder, our new fantasy portfolio here on the call is up and live. Our first investment committee meeting is available online for you to watch on how our experts picked which stocks made it into the calls high conviction fund. Let's have a look at what the portfolio looks like. Uh, there's an equal allocation to BHP, Macquarie, Minres, Steadfast, Aristocrat, um, Ordinate, CSL, Next DC, and Universal Store, and a half unit, if you like, 4% into Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, and uh, the committee has 20% in cash. Uh, every month, it will meet to assess the buy, holds, and sells, as discussed every, every day here on the call to keep the portfolio up to date. For example, um, Ioneer got two ticks as a speculative buy. It will go to the investment committee at their next meeting to see whether it should go in the calls portfolio. Um, as would Ventia um, go in there as well, but for different reasons. So the investment committee will need to discuss whether they should be added to the portfolio and, and what balance they should have in it in terms of portfolio management. So keep sending in your requests and uh, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking into in the next month. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at CMC markets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Um, our next five stocks in this half hour, IAG, Nine Entertainment, uh, Cromwell Property, uh, Integral Diagnostics and Super Retail Group. I love the mixture of this one. Um, and Mark, let's kick it off with uh, Insurance Australia Group. Uh, Barry wants a view on that, saying the Queensland floods make this one very topical. What is the the panel think they came out with some uh, updates today as well. Yeah, look, um, last time I was on the call, we discussed the insurance sector and I brought up, yep. a, um, as a bit of a hedge owning, um, John Lind's group, who does the repair yes. work for the insurers. So I yep. um, sort of preface this with saying, I, I would generally like to hold um, some of that or, or, a, or a similar business um, who do the repair work because um, on the face of it, the, the insurance companies seem to be still struggling to um, to price, you know, the weather effects of global warming, um, and they keep they keep having hits like this. We've had uh, floods, bushfires, COVID, you know, yep. floods, like so. It um, and and not really enough. I mean, they're going to be benefited from the um, rising interest rates. Um, so at least they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be making a little bit more on their cash that they've got under um, under management, but. Um, we probably prefer QBE um, from our research department. Um, has a has a higher macro score. I think um, IAG is a 4.6 out of 10. I think it's somewhere in the six six to seven region for QBE. Um, from a technical standpoint, I think QBE looks a little bit better on the chart. Um, 
But as I say, um, John Lynn Group's, you know, there's another mess to clean up on the East Coast now. Um, the friends in Byron Bay who are just having to you know, empty out their houses and everything's going to have to be replaced. So it, um, yeah, look, it, IAG, I'd, I'd be selling and switching to QBE and, yeah. and possibly, you know, adding that, you know, adding that repairer as a bit of an yeah, insulation um, to the, you know, to the risks that they're not, they're not quite there pricing up this, yeah. this global, you know, the global warming, climate change, um, weather conditions. So. Yeah, for those, those people that haven't come across John Lynn, it's come up a few times on the call. Uh, when it first came up, I'd never heard of it. It's a builder based in Geelong, I think, isn't it? But, but yeah. mainly does repair work for all the big insurance companies. When you make a claim and the insurance company organises a builder mm. or to do defect work on building, um, I'll 90, go to a company 90% like of their business is the really East Coast as well, so yeah, they, they, really they'll be running out of staff. Like they'll be too yeah, busy for the next exactly. six months. So. Yeah. Uh, QBE um, take a $300 million hit on their green seals uh, relationship as well. Um, David, what do you think of uh, IAG? Yeah, it's an interesting case study in risk because all investments obviously uh, have some form of risk, but really with IAG and the insurers, you you are investing in risk and, and you are backing management to manage those risks appropriately. In, in the case of the floods, uh, IAG have got reinsurance in place. Uh, the forecasts are that the at the moment, the floods will probably cost north of $2 billion to repair. Uh, in IAG's case, they've already stated that it, the maximum that will cost them is $95 million. Uh, mm -hmm. Suncorp have said that the maximum will cost them is $75 million. And that's due to the fact that they've laid off a lot of the risks to the reinsurers around the world. So uh, it's not just in Australian insurers that will bear the cost of that. It will be uh, spread around the world. So. Uh, in in the, the specific case of the floods, both IAG and Suncorp seem to have managed those risks fairly well. But having said that, they've both uh, allowed for over a billion dollars this year for natural hazards and and perils. So they're aware that that these sorts of things occur. Um, so on on balance, we actually quite like I. IAG, we've got a buy recommendation on it and think that at, at current levels it's it's reasonable value. Um, but investors do need to be aware of the fact that effectively mm. they are investing in risk. Yeah. And um, yeah, these one in 100 year weather events seem to happen every five or 10 years yeah. at the moment, yeah, don't they? Even, even sooner. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we, we, were, we actually interviewed Stuart Ayres, the uh, uh, deputy Premier of New South Wales on Sunrise today saying, uh, you know, we've got to stop talking about one in 100 year events and get used to them Absolutely. being every other year because of climate change. So that sort exactly of backs right. up yes. the risk of these companies you were talking about, David. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, and uh, it, it is becoming a, a more common event, whether it's floods yeah. or bushfires or, or a range of different events. Yeah. Uh, and it does, I suppose, it, it underlines the fact that individually uh, it's important to have insurance yep and code for our premiums will invariably go be going up um david uh, uh oscar wants a view on nine entertainment group um saying can i get an opinion on nine and how do you tell the difference between the listed media companies now 
Nine, yes. of course, is um, the Fairfax newspapers, Nine Television Network. Uh, they've got Stan and a whole bunch of others in the portfolio, don't they? It's really well integrated. Yes, that's right. And it's it's an excellent question because they do, on, on the face of it, look fairly similar. Um, but Nine, I suppose the, the real differ, differentiators are the Stan uh, business as well as their interest in domain, uh, yep. which is the, the real estate online business. Um, we like both Nine and Seven, I've got to say. Um, but we marginally prefer nine out of the two, and that's predominantly due to its, um, to its exposure to Stan. Uh, although we have actually seen this year that the, the nine share prices has underperformed seven, and partly that has been due to uh, Stan. We've seen globally Netflix has come off with um, some, some more negative uh, announcements or, or their subscription take-up hasn't been as strong as what the market have been anticipating so we have seen a little bit of a uh, an underperformance there but um, longer term we like nine and think that they're good managers uh, and the traditional free-to-air advertising has actually held up very very strongly um, both for nine and seven uh, and they're coming into a period where the election in may or around may uh, is one of the the biggest advertising revenue generators for the free-to-air um, networks. Yeah, okay. All right, preference for nine there. Um, everyone said free-to-air was dead, but it's actually uh, both nine and seven have sort of restructured their costs, re-engineered the business. Um, you can't compare them to what they were five years ago, can you? No, they have done a good job adapting overall. Um, Nine's one that uh, is a bit of a reporting season play uh, for us at Macro. Um, it realistically, it rallies on a seasonal basis the two months that it reports uh, on oh. average over the last 10 years oh, um, leading into it. So it's one for my, particularly for my active clients that we're buying, you know, so uh, buying a couple of weeks ago, for instance, um, around the 260 area and you know, we, we basically, we've trimmed half around the 290, um, 290 mark. Right. Taking the dividend today, normally we would be selling out of all of them and waiting for the next, um, next, you know, next reporting season because oh. for the other, for pretty much for eight, of the net, eight of, out of the 12 months, it's pretty much either flat or down. Right. So um, it really only comes onto the radar around, those, around that earnings season. So. Um, but yeah, look, the election, spe the reason we've held half is, the, you know, it's a bit of a line ball. Uh, there's going to be a lot of money spent on, the, on this election. Um, uh, you know, there's not one side clearly, you know, winning, winning the polling at the moment. So you would expect um, there to be quite a bit of spending going on there. Um, we'll see how the rugby goes uh, on, uh, on stand as well. Um, I think they got that for a fairly attractive price. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I um, think rugby gave that away. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but look, it um, was a lot of the reason why people, you know, people had their Foxtel subscription yep. as well. So, um, you know, we, um, Macro sponsors the, uh, the junior rep rugby in, in New South Wales, so in Sydney, so we're, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of rugby files we speak to over yep. um, you know over time who are clients etc. So, yeah, look, I think that should do well. Domain should do well as well. I think there'll be a lot of movement in the property market over the next 12 months. Um, so that that should go that should go well. So look, at the moment, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, it's a hold. I think right. you'll judged on seasonality, you'll probably get an opportunity to buy it slightly cheaper. 
Okay. Um, but it's definitely, it's a buy for me, um, just with, uh, and particularly leading into next um, reporting season. Okay, so uh, hold at the moment, but buy two months yeah, out from a, a month or two leading into, or, okay. um, or any significant dips, because I think they're going to have some really good tailwinds. But um, it's been pretty reliable over the last three earnings seasons. Isn't so. that a really interesting observation? Good on you. Thank you, mate. Um, Natasha Mark wants a view on Cromwell Property Group, the uh, the big property manager. Uh, what's it got? Two point three billion dollar market capitalization, almost four billion dollars in assets here in Australia. Twelve billion around the world. Uh, look, we we prefer industrial in the in the REIT space. Um, yeah, fairly fairly strongly to be honest. Um, so look, we're you know, there's uncertainty around as well with, um, particularly with residential um, development, etc. You know, will, with, has changed, has COVID changed the world? Will the tree changes stick? Will people come back yeah. to the cities? Um, so look, it's, it's pretty diversified, this company. It's got its fingers in a lot of pies. Um, but at the moment, there's a, there's a, you know, Dexas COP and Goodman's for me. Um, you know, Dexas was was fairly written off and trading at about nine percent discount to NTA yep. and and reported really well. And COP and Goodman's have been really solid performers um, in in recent times. And and I think that um, that industrial space uh, will be where you know the COVID changes will will very definitely stick. So um, I'd just call it a hold. Basically, I, there's no need to sell it. Um, yep. But I but I think you can probably consider other options. Um, has got a pretty high dividend yield, um, but you know, so, so so do some of the others as well. So okay. it, um, just consider other options on that one. But there's right. there's no reason to be exiting now. It's, it's kind of mid range as it stands. Um, yep. So you know, p- potentially there, you might get an opportunity to switch out if it has a rally. So Dexos and Goodman better options than this one. Yeah, but yeah nothing yeah. wrong with holding it. But there's nothing wrong with holding it. Okay. No. David. Yeah, I have to say I've got a bit of a soft spot for Cromwell. It was one of the, the companies that uh, my parents had an investment in and, and one of my first investments, and a little Brisbane company that's become Gee, a, a that global that wasn't long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but having said that, I, th- I think it's actually interesting at the moment. We've got a buy recommendation on it, and partly due to the fact that they've been through a, a massive change over the last couple of years. They've had... Uh, uh, board spill uh, and proxy uh, issues, etc. But with the new management that have come into the business, they're actually proposing to uh, spin off their their property arm into a separately listed REIT, um, right. partly to unlock some of the value in their property. Uh, and they are trading at a, at a significant discount to their NTA at the moment. And once they do float that business off, it will mean that Cromwell will become uh, a much cleaner manager, uh, mm-hmm. similar to Charter Hall uh, and, and Sentia Property Group. So okay. I think at the moment at current levels, there's there's a little bit in it. We've got a, a target price of a dollar uh, there. And as Mark said, it's got a reasonable yield uh, to, to hold the stock. Okay. All right. Um, Hamish, David wants a view on Integral Diagnostics, the big healthcare company, the, the imaging service. Yeah, it's a, it's a stock that we like. We uh, we think that it's a, a very good business. Um, the the demographics are, are very strong for it. But the problem that 
uh, Integral and, and other diagnostics businesses have had recently is the uh, the COVID um, shutdowns and, yep. and lockdowns. It's meant that uh, you know we haven't had as many elective surgeries and uh, you know uh, medical um, you know issues going on. Uh, so yeah, it's it's had some headwinds in terms of of COVID and more recently the the Omicron wave. Um, but long term, we think it, at current levels it, it represents attractive value. Uh, but bearing in mind that, that the short-term impact of, of COVID. No, you're still there? We lost you. Yeah, okay. no, I'm still here. Oh, no. So, okay. yeah, in Integral, we, we certainly like and we've got a buy recommendation on, on the stock. Okay. Um, what do you think, Mark? Um, hasn't fallen as much as ProMedicus, has it, Richard? No. <laughs> which is in that space, no, which is one of the darlings. Yeah, also didn't have a 180 PA either. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, and I, look, I've been, and I've been taking a bit of a nibble at ProMedicus recently is it, uh, from a long-term um, perspective, oh. but, uh, but um, fair warning that I've, I've told my, my clients that they may have to put their head in the sand for a little bit, just right. in case. But right. um, but these guys, look, there's, you know, similar to Sonic or, or um, Primary Healthcare Helios. Um, they're, you know, they're a bit more up and coming, I, th I think. Uh, these guys will benefit, um, you know, coming out on the reopening as well. Um, probably at a fairly favourable price here, looking at it. Um, you know, they, they have fallen back through the 200-day moving average, but they're, they're at relatively decent prices. Um, to buy at the moment, there you know obviously these elective surgeries will you know will start to come through. Um, I yeah, it's I think the healthcare sector broadly at the moment is quite is quite undervalued re realistically. There mm. um, traditionally the sector does well in inflationary environments. What the um, whole healthcare sector? Yeah, yeah, and, and right. rising raising rate environments as well. Right. So um, we're starting to add quite a bit quite a bit of healthcare. Um, yeah. You know, uh, just you know, from a long term perspective. Um, so what the CSLs, CSLs and Ramsey and yeah, um, Fisher and Pikel. Yeah, Fisher and Pikel Health at a really good price at the moment as well. So yeah. they're um, and look, these guys these guys are the same as um, Helios. They um, benefited from the testing as well. They they these they both were one of the um, yep. both of the five uh, recommended providers. So. Um, and, and as their daycare, it's daycare, their uh, day surgeries and elective surgeries start to come back through, yep. I think that um, there'll be just a, a pretty decent switch in their, you know, in their revenue, one revenue stream covering for the other one. So, right. but overall, pretty solid. So, you know, health is something that you, you know, you can't mm. avoid. So it's not, yep. it's not a. Um, it's not in a, it's not and a we want, generally it's have pretty well-run companies in that sector, don't we? Absolutely. When you look at it. Sort yeah. of, uh, you know, put CSL, Cochlear, ResMed aside, but then Ramsey, Fisher and Pike, all health, yeah. the imaging companies. We do it yeah. all right. Australian, Australians and we're in New Zealand do, do it fairly yeah. well. So, yeah, um, so yeah I'm, I'm happy to call this a buy. I think, um, but oh. yeah, broadly the health sector, I, um, I, I think is... Um, so would this be your preferred health sector? Uh, we, we quite so, like Helios. Um, right. But this is, this is a, you know, probably... Fairly similar business system, and so if you're a little bit more risk, maybe in this one, um, yeah. but potentially a little bit more upside as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I put them on par to be honest. I'm oh. happy to call this a buy. Yeah. Okay. Terrific. Uh, and uh, David, our viewer, wants a group mark on Super Retail Group, one of our, our biggest retailers 
in auto, outdoor and sports, 670 retail stores. Uh, names like BCF, uh, Boating, Camping and Fishing, MacPack, Rebel, Super Cheap Auto. Uh, David, what do you think of Super Retail? Yeah, we overall it's a very good business and, and the sectors that they're involved with have, have done very well uh, and they were ben net beneficiaries of of uh, the COVID lockdowns. Um, but having said that, we are forecasting that their, their earnings will actually decline in the in the next report. Um, and they, their last report, they, they saw a decline in their earnings as well. And that's predominantly due to the fact that, uh, you know, we're not necessarily locked in our homes and, and buying as, as much. Uh, their auto business is suffering a little bit from uh, the supply chain constraints, so super retail uh, management have, have increased their, um, their, their inventory to, to account for that. So hopefully they'll be able to get through that period. Um, we quite like the business, but we've got an accumulator on it. We don't necessarily see that it's, uh, right. that it's outstanding value at current levels. Um, but for a, a long-term portfolio, it, it gives a, a reasonable exposure to you know, a range of different sectors, as you said, the, the sport, auto, as well as uh, the, the leisure. Uh, and we are seeing a continuing improvement in, in the leisure sector as well. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what do you think? It's, uh, yeah, it's come back a bit in the last month or so, hasn't it? Yeah, this is one we flagged as a high risk over reporting season. Um, everything they're involved in was everyone's pretty much gone out and bought over the last two years. They went and cleared out Rebel Sport uh, for home gyms and everyone's gone camping and bought tents and, you know, we haven't been yep. able to get new cars, so you've had to fix your old cars. So look, I, I think they're going to have, you know, they've had a great, they've had a great period. It's been, it's been fantastic if you've been on the trade, but um, it was something that uh, we were looking for other options um, over that period. We switched to, well, might, you know, my division switched to Nick Scarley, um, right. which look at the moment we're, we're probably slightly out of the money on, but they're about to have 61 stores reopened. They've managed supply chain issues really well. Yep. Um, you know, same could be said that everyone's gone out and bought couches and things, but they're, um, I think they've, they've done fairly well for a business that theoretically shouldn't really work online, going and buying a couch. Yeah. Um, but even JB Hi-Fi as well, they've, you know, they've got the reputation of being the, the, the highest revenue per square metre of any retailer in the world and yep. stores are reopening. So um, I think there's much better options in the space. But I, I do agree with what David said. It, um, it's one that if it, gets, if, it, if it starts to pull back you know, another 10 to 15 per cent, it, um, it's, it is a well-run business. I think, I think it's just it's coming back to, it's just normalising at the moment. Sure. Um, so I'm not saying by any means that it's a bad um, it's a bad business, but um, I'd, I'd definitely like it cheaper than here. Sure. And um, and that's probably a year or so away. Okay. All right. Nick Scarley, the preferred one there. When you talk about the supply chain process, what Mark's talking about is that you go and pay a lot of money up front for your couch, and they go. I will now get it made in the factory. So they have no inventory, do they? It's a, no. it's a great business model. You wait three months for your couch to come, but... Which used to be a problem, but now you're waiting three months for anything. So yeah, exactly. it's, not, it's not that big of a deal anymore. No, so that's no, going to help fascinating. Them. Done well. Uh, and also family-led. All right. Uh, let's uh, thank our expert panel today. David Lane from Odd Minute up in Brisbane there. Hopefully those Thank storms you. go away. It looks a bit murky behind you out the uh, Ord's window, but you're 
Yeah, it's, it's not, uh, not good, but hopefully uh, it goes away quickly. Yeah. And uh, Mark Gardner from Macro, always great to have you in the studio here Cheers. at Barangaroo. Thank you. Keep, keep dry going back to the office. Uh, let's recap our final five stocks. Uh, IAG, a yes from Ords and David Lane, no from Mark. If you want to get into that area, he prefers QBE, uh, if you compare the two, but also John Lynn. Uh, look at that as a, a building company that's exposed to the insurance and, and disaster area in a good way. Um, Nine Entertainment, uh, a yes from David. Um, interesting from Mark, it's a hold, only because I've just reported, because under his observations, it will do nothing now until about a month before the next reporting um, uh, season comes out, and that's probably the best time to buy it. Uh, Cromwell, a yes from Ord, a hold from uh, from Mark. He prefers Dexas and Goodman Group in that, that sector. Integral Diagnostics, a yes from both. Super Retail, uh, an accumulate from Ord, a no from Mark in that uh, retail sector, prefers Nick Scarley. So uh, thank you for sending in all of those suggestions. Fascinating group to get through today. If you've got any stocks you'd like to uh, our expert panel to put under the microscope, email the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the TV handle. A reminder, you can see all the stocks in the call's port fantasy portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs>